Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is July. It is hot in the podcast room, and it's not because we don't have AC, but because we're all so fired up. About the topics of the week. Mara Carabello here in her Barbie core pink. Yeah, I am, huh? Yeah, mm. and Greg Hughes in blue. Oh, Light a lot blue. like the shirt like the... that Ken wears in the movie. Did you guys go out and we take did. part in we Oppenheimer? T- it, was, it was Greg's I idea, didn't. and I was like, Greg, that's stupid. And then yeah. he started to cry. I, I don't so even understand said, that there's a Barbie movie and that it has drawn a crowd like it has. Oh. I, I didn't see the oh, subject matter. Don't lie on the air, Greg. I'm not you insisted li- I'm not on lying. this. I, I, I you insisted on I insist on well, sure. You guys do look cute. But you did see one of the uh, movies this weekend. Which did I you choose? I did see Oppenheimer. I haven't seen the Barbie movie, but I liked it. I mean, I I knew how that, that movie jam, right? I knew how that story was gonna end, so it kinda you know, it was a sp- you spoiler are, alert. You like history. Don't I do like pretend history. you're too cool to like But a did Barbie. they over intellectualize it? Did they just hindsight it to death yeah, in a, a way that bit, you can't but, because but can, that's not life? I can relax with a Big old tub of corn and just get into <laughs> what they're selling me. I do want to watch it, um, <laughs> but I, like I, I went Murphy to a, I went to a movie this weekend. My son wanted to see Oppenheimer, and I'm like, "How about let's let mom see this first? So we went to see Mission Impossible. Oh, nice. nice. It was fun, but my husband was super upset that I didn't tell him that in the title it was part one and that part two we would have to wait for. So he I was didn't like, know that. seriously? It yeah, is. it is part yeah. one. They they filmed it all at the same time, so they're just. When delaying. does the next one come out? Should I be. think next summer. Yeah. Yeah. So wait. anyhow. Just hey, be good, warned. Good news for movies. Don't you feel like you're... I have not been back to movies. Like not finally for any COVID reason. I just sort of haven't gotten back in the swing. And, and so the this difference my in these movies that, that came out that did so well, it's not like a genre that did well. It right. was movies. Because Barbie yeah. and Op- Oppenheimer, you couldn't find yeah. two different topics. Speaking of the visual, I don't topics. know, Heidi, this is your show, but <laughs> we have seen signs week after week of... of cameras coming into the I know they are room. so if you're listening to us and you think to yourself I really wish I could take part in the visual <laughs> stimulation of when Heidi says you'd Barbie like to core, see the outfits then you will be able to um right now I don't I have about 20 percent of the 100 percent of makeup on you'll be able to see that That's on the night, days I'm yeah. lazy um these guys are looking great but we do have lights up in here cameras are coming soon so if you would like to instead of listening to us on your run or on your drive really just sit down and enjoy us as a family <laughs> for like family <laughs> home evening yeah treat We're us coming. like a movie yeah. a sitcom a video yes. video podcasts are very popular yeah, people it, like to watch as well it's as coming so um good teaser it's coming your way so um look forward to that and i'm not sure how soon because it takes a while to build it all up but it is happening here in the studio right now so that will be exciting i actually wanted to look good for you guys today but summer <laughs> vacation is tricky when your kids are home and you come that's to work true. at two in the afternoon they you were coming fi- i don't even know what you're talking oh, you're about nice. you look fine you look great that's a good answer but they were coming home from work when i was trying to leave and i was just like well mm. i'll enjoy my kids yeah. so here we are um we have to talk about something that's not a movie and i feel like <laughs> it's getting a big meh from the country we're having congressional hearings about ufos aliens, and possible dead pilot bodies that are not of the human form. And people yes. are like, hmm. Like, that's, how, that's how crazy the times are, because that, that really should crazy. be news, right? Yeah, but, I mean, there's a few people who are like the tinfoil hat wearing that are like stoked we're talking about this, but most people are like, 
I don't know if they expected this or they already felt it or were just over yeah, whistleblowers. Just but wait till like the show V or, uh, you know, Independence Day and those ships start hovering over the major metropolitan areas and everyone's going to start paying attention. Yeah. So have you either of you watched any of this or just the highlight reels of all the crazy things that were said during these hearings? I did not watch it live, but I did. I, I absorbed all as much as I could the uh the highlights that were reported. And I should say that we're not really calling them UFOs anymore. They're I UAPs, am going to stick with, I hate which UAPs. are unidentified anomalous phenomena. Yeah, that's right. I just looked down at your notes to see what I was phenomena. supposed to call them. I, I call it a Man, UFO. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, exactly. I'm not going, <laughs> what is that, Sesame Street <laughs> phenomena? <laughs> the Muppets, man. Anyway, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm calling them UFOs. That's what they are. And I, I 100% buy in. They are here. They are loud. They are proud. They, they've been here forever, too. Can we assume, then, that, you know when they have the movies and they're always coming to attack us and take sure, over the world? Yeah. If they've been around this long, you know, maybe they're not out to attack us and get us kind of like everybody thinks that sharks are bad. They just yeah. live in the ocean, so they maybe land. they're coming to visit. No, I, they're disappointed I think they're saving they us from ourselves, actually. And they're like, this, this is a very self-destructive species we have here. We're going to help them out. So if I were smart, I'd just not share this point of view, but I'm gonna, I'm just going to be honest. So that's what we're here for. We're here for not being smart, being <laughs> honest. Um, I I believe, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I believe there's no way we're the only higher life form in the entire universe. Otherwise, what a waste of space. What a waste. Too much. Yeah. So I absolutely believe. But some of what the hearings were about, like one of the, I'm not going to do them justice, colonels, one of the like sophisticated, yeah. responsible people was sort of raising the red flag and saying, not only are they here, like, we do think there's signs of hostility. And then he had, like, a Jack Nicholson moment, and he's like, you don't even want to know, right? Like, he said this, we're not telling you. And then there was this whole issue of transparency. So here's my unpopular point yes. of view. I don't actually believe if the government has signs that not, I think they should release everything that shows signs that there is life form in another planet, whatever that, I say that so generically. Yeah. But isn't it part of science and learning and 100% and sparks some scientists doing imaginative things? If they have definitive information about, you know, a warring higher class coming to kill <laughs> us, frankly, keep it to yourself until you announce the weapon we're going to use alongside <laughs> of it. Because as a massive nation, we're just not ready. <laughs> no, we we're are. not ready to hear no. it. We, we, you will do nothing but get anxious about it. So I just say to the double top secret, Keep it to yourself until you lay out a plan in which we're also going to dominate them. But if the reality <laughs> is they're going to come and annihilate us, keep I it to yourself. First I don't want to know. So statistically speaking, I think it would be statistically impossible for there not to be any intelligent life species in, in the universe, in this universe, other than us. I just don't think the math is there. I just think it's 100% certain that there yeah. is life that exists that's not on this planet. It has to happen. If they have figured out how to get this far... Okay. Which we haven't. Which we, we can get close. If they've gotten here, they are well, well, well advanced. And it would be easy for them to come in and out when we were less advanced. Think of Wright Brothers to today. Think of Wright Brothers to 1969, first man on the moon. Our progression has been amazing in a blip of time. We all have iPhones, though. Why don't we have really great video of any of them? So, Well, they, it turns out that, that a lot of these pilots and things, they do have these, these objects that can go to at speeds we can't get to, stop on a dime, then go down, drop 80,000 feet, come back up. They're seeing it so often that in the hearings they said that pilots actually don't even mention it any longer because it doesn't really go anywhere. It, it just seems to be archived or something like that. 
I think what he was, they, I think that the person that you're mentioning, Mara, was asked the question, do you think this technology is advanced enough where it would pose a threat? And I think the, the pilot said, yes, I do believe that it, it would pose a threat. And he said, but, and they have those rooms that they can have like classified discussions in that you have to yeah. go into. Yeah, and Donald, I think Donald that's Trump where, about yeah, yeah, I think that's where, Nice. You had to throw that in. We're having a bipartisan <laughs> conversation here right. about Sorry, UFOs. So you had to throw believe, that in. We both believe in extra. So you go into that. You go into that room. You hear all the spicy details yeah. for the reason that you pointed out. <laughs> we don't really want to know no. what uh, what's out there if there's not a whole lot we could do. I mean, about I want to know all the stuff that stops at. You have facts that are going to because then I'm like I just. And by can't the way, about I it. have no interest in Biden knowing about it. Fetterman knowing about it. Uh, you know, McConnell knowing about it. Feinstein knowing about it. They, they don't know where well, they are. I want the scientists to know. Right? Yeah, I want the scientists, but some of these yeah. politicians right now, I, I don't know that they know life, intelligent life sitting next to them, let alone but what it would look I'm like as UFOs. I'm also going to join the map. I, I'm going to lean in and, and be, like, not popular and also say I'm not meh, but I'm also like, that sounds cool. If you're interested, you should lean into this. I'm not very, like, it doesn't I'm change kinda your like, life. Eh, that's interesting. Well, I'm a Trekkie, know. you know, and they have like a director I'm where a they're trek. not. I'm a Trekkie. I like Star Trek. I think Gene Roddenberry might Star be privy trek. to I some. The future always no puts you in a jumpsuit where we all have to wear the same outfit. Yeah, Why? no, I so love true. I love Star Trek, but I like Star Wars too. So I kind of I kind of contradict. There's usually you're you're either Team Star Wars or Team Star Trek. I'm both. I like both. But anyway, I in Star Trek, they either. got a rule: mm-hmm. you don't interrupt a, a culture or species if they're not at warp speed. If they don't have this technology, you don't even introduce yourself to them. You don't interrupt their progression, right? You got to make sure your technology doesn't like tamper with whatever their trajectory would be. What I would worry about is I actually think that's smart. And I think that if we were to come across alien technology and reverse engineer it, it might be a dangerous thing for man to come across or to reverse engineer that because yeah. we're not really good out here. We, we tend to go after each other a little bit. We much. do. So let's go after the people that we do know about right now <laughs> down here let's on do planet that. Earth yes. in Washington, D.C. Let's say goodbye to UFOs. So we'd like to bring up the same topic probably every couple of years, but all of a sudden this week we're talking about age limits for federal office again because Mitch McConnell had a moment where he seemed to kind of blank out for 20 seconds. And honestly, I have my moments myself where I'm on air and you're just not having the best brain day and you can't come up with the words you want. So we all have those moments. But this kind of seemed like a long moment. And so Mm -hmm. you're like, is he getting too old? Is he having a stroke? Is he not quite mentally with it? It happens that just a week or two ago, uh, President Biden was in his office where he had sort of a similar moment where he was talking to the Israeli president at the time and went from saying coherent things to mumbo jumbo where you couldn't understand kind of comes back to the sentence and starts talking again. We have Diane Feinstein, who actually looked pretty good on Capitol Hill this week, but I've seen some things where she, I don't like to judge people by appearance, look like maybe she shouldn't be at a job. Maybe she should be at home with her grandchildren having cookies and tea. <sighs> do we need age limits? What do we do? We keep voting these people in. So, I mean, at some point you have age limits if you just choose to not elect these people, but we choose to elect people because of the way the system works. We have age limits in the military. So these the key distinction yes. is they're not elected. But in other governmental, mm-hmm. high stress, high decision, high consequence, we've enacted age limits. I mean, the easiest one to compare it to is military generals. There are some like rock star at their primes 
and they hit, is it 69 and 72? There's a couple of different standards. So, yeah. But 72 is the high. They hit it, and it doesn't matter how great you are. They're like, see, you got to go. Yeah. So I am, like, fighting tooth and nail. I'm so resistant to enacting rules that supersede my ability to vote you out at the ballot. But here's the problem. We're not voting them out at the ballot. And so I was against term limits for a long time because I kept saying, well, term limits are at elections. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we should vote them out. But I, I here's what I'm kind of bummed about. I am not sure we have whatever it is, the interest, the wherewithal, the information. I don't think we're voting these people out. And they are getting too old. It's not their fault. They're Well, I mean, it's not their fault. They're aging. They're extraordinarily high-functioning people. And all of us, I'm old enough now to know that Age happens. Yes. And so I'm conflicted only in that I just philosophically dislike the idea of taking any authority away from the voter at the ballot. But I feel like maybe we've reached the point in interest in politics that we need to take that and set some parameters and say to voters, you know, We're here's the so, age limit. Yeah. Here's here's how long you can stay in office. Here's Here's some parameters around the choices you're going to have at the ballot. And it seems like we're so dug in politically that all we can see what's in front of us. So we're looking at Is both Biden and Trump yeah. right now, and we're like, well, look at him. He's you know more cognitively aware than this one. Or I have a grandma that's right. 100, and she can, and this person can't. And I know my senator can't do it, but I can't lose the seat to that party. Well, yeah. that's the bigger conversation happening. It's just the, the, the power of majority-minority and yeah. what that where that conversation takes over the actual person and their yeah. ability to actually do the job. So I this is what I don't know if this has always been happening, but back in the days of Strom Thurmond, I thought it was a joke. Like he's a hundred years old, they're right. wheeling him into the Senate floor. Right. He, he barely could get his hand up to vote. We were all like, "Oh gosh, I can't believe he's still there." But he's it a wasn't a, with a staff. But it didn't right. seem systemic. Okay, I didn't yeah, think that that like that seemed guy. a bit uh, almost farcical. But but I didn't see it as like the way things are working now. When you when you start to add up all the people that that McConnell moment was. Scary for a Stressful. Senate majority minority leader to just space out and just sit there and stand. And I, he's been there too long. It, it's over. If we have rec age requirements that you have to be a certain age minimum to, to run, and we mm -hmm. do, and we haven't complained about it, I don't know that it's it's wrong to say at a certain age if we're not seeing because what you get is you get staff running that. We don't have right. a we don't have a right. Senate minority leader, or we don't. Have, Fetterman's staff is running that office. Um, Feinstein's, McConnell, you know, all of these, you have unelected staff that are now running in that office and making the decisions, and that's not how it's supposed to be. And so if if we can't, if we're not seeing the, the voters or if we're not seeing this happen, I, I think just like an age minimum, having an age that, maximum is... What is that, 72? Older than I am, I'm fine. Okay, whatever I am, that's <laughs> I a very good higher. age. That's yeah, <laughs> but no, even I, the Mormon Tabernacle has a choir. <laughs> tabernacle <laughs> right. choir. Excuse me, they're not the Mormon Tabernacle. They're just the Tabernacle Choir. Right. They have a rule of when you can last audition and what time you age out because they know at some point they don't want to kick out people whose voices are cracking and they're not good. So they just mm -hmm. came up with the rule. They're like, "Sorry, you're out. I don't I, care." You know, I I think. I, it's it's hard to I would like it there to be some science and medicine behind when they think this where this tipping point happens on a majority of people. But if it's eighty years old, whatever it might be, but I honestly think that that if you don't have this and we're just seeing people for purposes of majority strength, uh, put people put an incredible amount of money into these campaigns to, frankly, maybe even mislead the voter in terms of someone's ability to lead. 
because they want to protect majorities in those houses, I, I think it's a worry. And I also think sometimes that actually the party feels that, but you have to honor it. So I'm going to get really personal and say that's what happened to Orrin Hatch. It Orrin did. Hatch gave so much service to mm -hmm. this state, and we should be um, honoring his service. But for those of us who worked, he had changed in the last little mm -hmm. bit. Now, I did, did his larger office still deliver? They sure did. I'm not criticizing. But everyone who worked with him knew that it was time to move on. But there wasn't the space to say it because you didn't want to dishonor this person. Yep. And so you just, like, we, we all did the silent part because Which you didn't want to be thing too. dishonorable um, to him. Because, you know, when Fetterman was running, the people were like, well, why don't people admit when they're doing an interview with him? And I go back and look and think, too, I knew that Senator Hatch was not right. the Senator Hatch I'd known forever because he was sharp as a tack. He'd come in for years, and he knew what my kids' names were. That's they right. knew what they were up to. He remembered Interesting. everything. Interesting, He yeah. was always, like, super mm -hmm. on it and... Um, would have good discussions about policy. He could disagree. But in those last few years, right. I would know sometimes when he'd come in and sort of shake my hand, he'd give me a hug, yeah. or just not quite seem on it. I never in my reporting said, right. I had to cut some sound bites out because I'm not sure what he was knew talking. what he was saying. Right. So I take some responsibility for that too because I guess you honor the office for a long time, but at some point, do we need to speak up and say I so? Because it feels mean-spirited though too. And yeah. you're like, I wasn't trying to be mean-spirited. Well, but, yeah. but he wasn't doing the job to the fullest. Um, I just want to point out, because we've talked about Fetterman for a long time, that's a different issue, right? Because he would, he would, he's in his 50s, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't but talk about his health. cognitive skills. No, yeah, no, yeah. but we're, oh, we're I talking we're age, just right? talking about age. So that was like yep. apples and oranges. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, I'm just saying age conversation, yeah. I think is right. And, and what about the family? So you, you, one of, someone just mentioned, you know, there's times with your, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. I mean, is there a point where the family around these elected officials are not, are, are, it's it's elder abuse where Let's or, it, stay or home if it's Fetterman's family where they're not they're saying look you you aren't able to do this we're putting you in positions and in situations that are unfair um, your quality of life is not is not high with what you're being asked to do or how we're put propping you up remember we had was it Gary uh, Ott that was the oh, yeah. the that was yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, he the, was a, a county, county a Sully County he was a Sully County auditor or clerk or clerk auditor, auditor. Or, auditor. Or, yeah, yeah auditor not clerk but. But it, we yeah. found out after the and fact partner, he was his, not yeah. there. That he is suffering was, from dementia. She was doing some yeah. things. But one thing I'll just say, I'm going to just sort of go high, you know, America system. <laughs> one of the things that putting limits on would recapture is George Washington's first chance at re-election and the refusal because of his insistence that what made it interesting was, in fact, the turning over of government. And one of the things that has happened and entrenched itself more and more and more and more in the federal system is you're a baby in the Senate for the first decade. Yeah, <laughs> and you're, you're not eligible under the current um, sort of social compact for leadership until, you know, your 27th year or something insane. Yeah. So if we could get rid of that habit, we've prolonged too long. I would be a member that said, no, you need to give them a few terms because of the complexity of the issues. So yeah. I'm not saying in and out, but we're talking about people who are serving for 30 and 40 years yeah. of their lives. And we reward it because when we go back to Senator Hatch, he became third in line for the presidency as president exactly. pro tem because, and I don't even think the Constitution says this, but we honor the person with that position who's been serving the longest, essentially. 
And so you have to be old. You yeah. have to. Yeah, that's right. But let me give you the other side of the coin, because I agree. And I'm not saying this because I don't agree with this discussion, because I do. But but when we talk about term limits without consideration of, of age or, or, you know, mental wherewithal, I, I don't know if it's still the case in the state of Florida, but they had a six-year term limit for some time for their state legislature, mm. which meant that the incoming House of Representatives, that class, would vote for its speaker before they ever served a single day in the legislature for six years. Okay. And so they would just kind of they would just kind of term up and but they would have that initial vote when they were all elected as a freshman class and they would decide the next and that brief period of time having served longer than six years, uh, three terms in the house myself here in Utah, if you have a term limit that's that brief, you will have a state or you will have a state government uh, that is run by staff and lobbyists. Yeah. And and that is not what we're intending to do. Which is not people either. who are no, elected. Yeah. They're not elected, and they will run the show, and you will be a, a quick cog that's in there for a while. Uh, they'll coach you up with what they want you to know, when they want you to know it, and you won't even know what you don't know. And so you got to have. Yeah. I do believe in institutional memory and institutional knowledge. So we got to be careful when we talk term limits. What how much time we're talking I about? I think that's, that's really curve. instructive to what we're all saying, which is I'm not. I, we're talking about getting rid of the 57 years of service outliers. Yes. We're not talking about the fact that expertise does mm-hmm. really matter, but we are talking about when you're in your 70s and 80s and yeah. late 80s and, you know, 90. What, how old was he? 97 or something, right? I, Strom, yeah, I don't, oh, yeah, Strom anyway. was 100. He, got, he hit 100. He hit 100. He hit 100 in the Senate. 100. Yeah. And, so, and, and I never thought that I'll was going to be like a model is, to, you know, to emulate. Like, but. I'm total game for always mocking Mitch McConnell. <laughs> and when I saw this. That's not nice, Mark. Yeah. I'm I know. not in the spirit. Yeah. I know. I'm not in the spirit of disagreeing. <laughs> he well. looks like a turtle. I'll but, say it. No, but like I, but you didn't even, it, it was stressful watching him. Like it wasn't. I, I just know. was stressed. And those two men, I, the guy behind him, I was like. Well, because they couldn't see his face. No, in his there was eyes, silence. you could just hear him thinking, this is not a pause. This is So, like, it was really stressful. It was, it, it didn't honor him. And, like, the people but, around him, I wanted to say. You're very compassionate about this. This just, is so, you know, for Mitch McConnell. I didn't know no, you this loved this man I'm so saying. much. What bothered me about that is he came out a little bit later, like, "Hey, there's nothing wrong here. And nothing he said, to see I'm here, folks. I'm fine. That's all fine." Like and that. he said, "How it's are like, you?" And please. he said, "I'm fine." And that's part of the <laughs> Kabuki Theater. Where I I'm know like, that's you the, you so when he came out, fine. like, "Hey, I don't know what you thought you saw, but I'm here. Here I am. I'm all right." It's like actually that was that was not good. And don't blow it off because it's no, not good. it was uncomfortable, and you worry for their health. So right. I I do hope that at some point we can sit down as a nation and figure this out because. I think, you know, maybe there is something to be said for figuring out You know what would be really cool? I'm what? saying this to all the members nationally of Congress who listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, what would be really cool is for some really old representative to be the one who files the bill, right? Like some 82 Well, that's You know what? That probably is going to be what it takes. slam down and say, yeah. listen, I got no business being It's here. not going to be the young ones, young guns coming and saying, oh, you seniors need to get out. That's not going to go It's going to well. be somebody's wife that's like, hey. Enough. Enough. Come home. Play with your grandkids. Yeah. I'll mm. make you some Rice Krispie treats. Let's be like a, a normal <laughs> right. retired couple. Right. We'll garden, do a few things. So anyhow, for what it's worth, if anyone's listening to us, we think it's time. Uh, <laughs> Romney thinks it's time for something to happen. Uh, how old is he? He's up in the category of we might be aging him out. But he came out with an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week and then came out talking about it later about the presidential race. And I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say about this. Because he wants Republican mega donors and influencers, large and small, to come forward, get behind your candidates, 
and narrow this down to two people. Okay, so if you're looking at strategy, as our old friend um, Mm -hmm. President Bush would say, this is good strategy maybe for trying to get rid of Trump if that's what you want, but is this the democratic American way where you say, let's get some money behind people, or do we go the normal route where we get all dozen of them on stage in August for the first time, let them debate, let the American people hear them, and figure it out from there? That's my question. Greg, you're first on this uh, one. I want to be second because I'm going to launch on this. I think this. I thought this op-ed was a disgrace. I think talking to your mega donors via the Wall Street Journal, okay, it, it is just cementing the fact that these mega donors, these self-appointed, these uh, you know institutional donors of, of campaigns are running the show. And what Romney is saying is, hey, all of us that are uber rich and we run the show and we fund all the campaigns, let's come up with a strategy. Now, he does this annually in Deer Valley uh, you know, with all of his mega donors, but he thought that he was going to put this on the, uh, in, in the Wall Street Journal and all of us little people are going to read this and go, well, thank you, mega donors, for coming up with an idea that will allow us, because voters don't listen and parties, politics don't listen to them, like he, like he laments in that editorial. And I just thought it was as disconnected as you can be. And by the way, when you lose two presidential elections, I think you writing an op-ed that tells you how to win one is, is pretty disconnected to. You will never see me write an op-ed on how to win a governor's race, okay? I won't write it. I didn't win. I'm not going to write and start wagging my finger on how you should donate and how you should do it. Do you know who won Iowa in 2020? Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, or it was Pete Buttigieg and, Barry San- and, and Bernie Sanders, okay? By the time they got to the big February date that, that Romney talks about, Biden had dropped 10 points in the polls. He was plummeting as others were surging, he doesn't want any of this. He would like all of this, you know, the, the wrangling that goes on between different candidates and who looks like an underdog and who's the favorite earlier on. To everybody, just part the waters, get out of the way, let us mega donors put behind somebody that we think can win. It is so arrogant and disconnected from the political process. That is my take. Mar- and that's my muted, this is muted, uh, muted yes, really, more, your- more judicial Okay, take. wow, thank you for yes. that. So You're let's welcome. play along with Romney for a minute here. Would this even work? Because when you look at the polls right now, I don't think, I don't know that statistically you could even make this work because if you were to get everyone to drop out and back one person, let's say DeSantis, because he's the least behind Trump at this point, I don't think with all those numbers, if you could get everyone to coalesce, that they would even still beat Trump because when you look at a Trump-DeSantis poll, Trump is still killing DeSantis. So can you even pull this off, what yeah. he wants? Romney's right. So you can. More people are against Trump than for him. And if you consolidate it, and what Mr. Hughes is leaving out, that he has sold this strategy, this is a tried and true political truth in that pluralities are not great ways to make decisions. And all Romney is saying, I don't think Romney came about this with arrogance. I think Romney is just, I think he's listing what I have heard you say a million times, Greg, what I've said a million times. Oh, you cannot go that low and compare me to To this strategy, this strategy that says, hey, listen, guys, I want to tell you about the risk that you have when you have, when you're a Republican and you're in a field of, you know, 10s and 20s, it's death by a thousand cuts with the one percenters, two percenters, three percenters. And hey, you guys have to cut them quicker than later. He doesn't say get them all out. He says cut them quick. When you see that they're not viable, and Greg, you've said that. When you have eight candidates that are polling in total at 
They're never going to win, and they're just spoilers, and the Republican Party does not get didn't the Patrick, representation. Didn't Patrick Buchanan Listen. beat Herbert Walker Bush in 92 or whatever it was? In I mean, convention? What, no, in the New Hampshire. New first one. Oh, yeah, but he's so, not talking about the early. He's talking about... February. He's talking about that I know, time. but he's also talking about money. And I know you want to see it as, but like, I mean, frankly, the bias in you reading a Romney thing, like you could see a picture of him saving a puppy and you would say he's choking it. Yes. So I'm well, just he saying he's That's saving why. the puppy. Duh. I think it's a sound, tried and true strategy. No, it's it's, and it's I easy for him to is, say. I let you rant. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, I also think it's really important to note that he is trying to not have happen what I believe happened the first time Trump got elected, which is nobody was really for him, but nobody put up a big fight. And he's just saying, hey, guys, if you're loving a person who's pulling at one and two percent, recognize they're not going to win. And if you want an alternative to Trump, you're actually now if you don't, then don't worry and go vote for Trump. But if you want an alternative to Trump, you're actually doing harm by staying with the person polling at 1%, 2%, 3%. So this is absolutely a strategy, frankly, that you and I have talked about in other races, not the presidential, and that that strategists talk about a lot about when when does everyone have a right to the ballot? And Greg, you and I both believe in that. We mm. never criticize someone who jumps in because you and I both believe that everyone deserves the right to make their case. But when you're not making your case, there is harm to the quality of the candidate at the end of the day when people keep holding on. So I thought that's all he was trying to put forth, yeah. and I thought it was a legit editorial. So he can go ahead and make that memo to the campaign and elections industrial complex and mega donors if he wants, putting it out there to the general public. You would not write what he wrote. I know you wouldn't. I wouldn't you write would it never the write way it. he wrote it. You would never do it but because I agree with his the strategy. strategy of those that do campaigns and elections, everything you said may be valid, but every single person has a right to vote for who they want, of and every person has a right to throw their hat in the ring and not be he lectured be about smarter. how long they stay in that race. He so, said be no, he's, smarter. No, he's trying to cut off their donors. All right, we're going to talk about DeSantis right now. Um, so DeSantis, uh, last Friday when we were meeting, he spoke at the Utah Capitol about an hour after we got done recording, and he answered questions from the media, and one of the questions was about um, some new African-American history standards that would be taught in the state of Florida. Uh, the Utah, not the Utah, the Florida Board of Education had just released those. Uh, Kamala Harris was talking about them, other people. And so he was asked a question about that, and I am going to find his quote. He said, I didn't do it. I wasn't involved in it, but I think what they're doing is I think they're probably going to show folks that eventually parlayed, you know, being a blacksmith into doing things later in life. I'm going to reverse to what he was um, talking about here. It wasn't a very concise or great answer. He should probably work on that. But there was a 13-member uh, board, basically, that went in to talk about and discuss for a long time in the state of Florida how they would teach African-American history standards in the state. They had uh, meetings that were open to people if they wanted to be there. They came up with, I think, 217 pages that when you read through it is, um, in my skimming of it, I haven't completely read the whole thing, a pretty exhaustive and I it seems fair uh, way to teach African-American studies. It talks about the atrocities of slavery. But one of the points in there, which everyone's talking about, it says, um, it is, quote, the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills which were served to their benefit both while enslaved and after being enslaved. And the end of that sentence is what everyone's talking about, saying that slavery served a benefit to these people both while enslaved and after being enslaved, saying that they could take skills 
and then uh, build a new life for themselves. There's been a lot of talk that this is racist and the Florida board and therefore the Florida governor is responsible for whitewashing history. Uh, Mara, you get to go first on this one. And before we go, though, I want to say that um, the Tribune actually came out with a Pat Bagley cartoon, if you haven't seen it, and it shows uh, what is supposed to be the Florida governor with a whip like a slave owner and a couple slaves. And it says the Ron DeSantis vocational training program saying that he, by his statement here while in Utah, you know, is whitewashing history, as we've said, and re-enslaving um, African-Americans here in our country. Is that a fair assessment? Are we looking at this one sentence and not taking it into its entirety? Or does that one sentence matter and it's worded poorly and it is hurtful to black Americans? So I, I was trying to think. So my initial reflexes are everything one would expect from my position in, mm -hmm. you know, like I, an indictment of DeSantis. And then I want to go into a bunch of tropes about <laughs> all of those things. But as I tried to dig deeper, it's both. One of the things that I like, and so I'm going to unpack a lot here because I think it is serious enough or, or, or sophisticated, complex enough to unpack it a little. One of the things that I appreciated what you did when you set this up, which a lot of news articles aren't, which is let's talk about what we're talking about. We're talking about a, a group of people who were not paid. They didn't all live in... Um, I don't know how they were picked, but they didn't all, they were all educators or professors of some kind. They didn't live in Florida. They spent months doing it. They had come PhDs, out with yeah. 217 pages. And what's interesting is DeSantis is repeating over and over he didn't write it, which is an interesting split the baby for him, but he splits the baby a lot. The other thing that was interesting is I was listening to one of the writers and he sort of said, well, I didn't write this either. And I'm thinking, this is so weird that no one, apparently no one wrote this. Okay. <laughs> I have but, heard one person speaking. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think his name's Dr. Allen. He is he wrote it. a black PhD. <laughs> He's one of the people who was yeah. on the board and he defended it. And listening to him, it was interesting from his perspective, and he's one person's perspective, yeah. but he was like, you know, we were trying to show that they went through these tough things, just like people who, let's say, went through the Holocaust. That's they didn't right. choose that, yeah. but they, and he's they found speaking. resiliency in this, like, spirit of um, survival, yeah. and they took that later in life and were awesome. So, so here's, here's then how I want to back back out from that. And one of the things that I'm trying not to do as much is that... We, we've been too easy to just blanket all of our politicians, but many of them have earned it. And so I do think context matters. And the problem is, for me and my point of view, is that I believe Ron DeSantis falls into a spectrum of Republicans. I don't think it's all Republicans, but I think there's a spectrum of Republicans who have made it okay and who have found modern language to do what I think is white supremacist speak or white entitlement speak. And so <clears throat> I come to this thinking that he has actually um, re-engaged, and I think Trump started this, this white nationalism is back. And I think they are giving it the sound of 19, you know, 2020, 2022, 2023. And so I worry about that because... I think that the premise that still disturbs me, and so I'm owning the fact that the messenger in this taints for me the message. And it may be fair, and it may be unfair. Messenger as in being DeSantis? DeSantis, I believe, has shilled some white nationalist stuff, dog whistled to that. So I, in my mind, 
I don't find him a credible person to speak to me about this. What I would say, though, is if someone else who I affiliated with, if they were giving me the same analysis of that same sentence, would I, would I read it differently? Maybe. I, yeah. I want to own the fact that if somebody that I trusted, but here's what I do believe it implies, that sentence. That sentence implies, if you were looking at a pro-con list as a teacher, it, it falls to me that you're trying to make an argument of a pro-outcome of slavery. And I just think we should stay in the place where enslaved people don't need to have their history told from a, well, but at the end of the day, you know, you got the car. I think we have to start every conversation by saying, yeah, you learn those skills, but that's not the point. The point was you were enslaved. You learned that because you were going to make money for another human being who had decided that you were not smart and you were not worthy and you were not equal, which is why someone who I believe has spread white nationalist language has no bearing for me to weigh into the fact because I think he is saying that they... So, yes, does it fit I in read in it education, though. Does it fit in an education, though? Let's say you teach the first 216 pages, and I don't think teachers have to teach it. I think it's giving them, like, a, at least from what I've read... Um, you know, some places they can go as they're teaching. So let's say you teach the first 216 pages of the atrocities and then you get through all of the Civil War and you get to that point at the end where you're like, hey, you know, this is what this is. Is it still racist if you teach it in its entirety? Or I think trying to say there were silver linings to enslaving people is a I'm trying trap. not to interrupt, but I am needed, I need a shot at this topic. I, that's, I'm just saying it's being presented as a silver lining. And I, and, and I think, yeah, trades were learned. But that's because they identified that they had the skills that would ultimately pay off for their slave, their master. How many people did you say was the committee? Was it 13? I think there was 13 Academic. people. 16, and they didn't maybe. lay out exactly. The thing that I read said that there were six people of color, meaning that they were, I think, black or Hispanic. I think yeah. there might have been someone Asian. There was one person who didn't say what their identity was, and then I think there were six that fit in the category so of if white. We, if we yeah. went through the exercise Mara described um, about, let's not, let's not decide whether we like the topic or the comment based on DeSantis or not. Let's just take these 13 individuals and get to know what their background is and academic. He's whatever. an awkward orator, I'd like to say. Yeah. You can have so, even a really great politician that just isn't great on stage. He fits so, in that category. And, and so where I want to reject from the very beginning is I don't believe that these 13 people are the, you know, the, the white nationalist, bigoted, racist, foaming at the mouth, Republican that, that the left likes to make all those but descriptions synonymous. But do they need to delete this line because they screwed up? Well, we up. don't so, even know who they so are. So what I would say is, but I, would, I looked at some of their backgrounds, and I don't think they're coming from some, some place like that from racism and hatred and everything else. 191 items are in this curriculum. Okay. The reason this curriculum was being rewritten is because of racism, because there was a premise in the, in the curriculum going on that by mere color of skin, not from household income or anything else, but by color of skin, there was a, a detriment, a, a, a disadvantage uh, found purely on the pigmentation of skin, of which the, the governor and many lawmakers did not concur. They, they think that these circumstances, how you, how you grow up, the circumstances you grow up in, everyone's upside we're created equal. We have that opportunity. It is not, it, 
the reason this curriculum was revisited was because they were worried that pigment of skin and color of skin were going to determine, even unfairly, your trajectory in life, which they, they rejected. So 191 items about slavery, segregation, racism, um, they, uh, topics like how, uh, how, the, how demand for slave labor resulted in large forced migration. Uh, they went into the abolitionism, slave revolts, underground railroad, you name it. To take 191 items, which you mentioned, I, I have the PDF, I can't even print it, over 220-something pages, to take one sentence and try to take an entire curriculum that, that is as expansive and as broad as this is and try to boil it all down to racism and, and trying to say that this curriculum is just saying that the end justifies mean, look how well they did, so it must have all been worth it. It's not true. It's not what the curriculum says. It's not the way it was ever presented. And I think the only thing that that, that, that part about getting, you know, they, if they learn skills, it was probably an attempt, I'm going to imagine. I think anybody who's put this together who thinks that all of that work is being summed up in that one sentence will say, just, just strike it, please, because we didn't, it wasn't the crux of what we're talking about, because it's being misunderstood. What I would, what I would compare it to is, I didn't read the book uh, Unbroken, but I watched the movie, this, this Olympian that's uh, in, you know, World right. War II fighter pilot. He is brutally savaged as a, as a slave, as a prisoner of war by the Japanese. Uh, he perseveres through it all, swears, prays to, to heaven that if he gets out of this alive, he's going to go to church, he's going to become a Christian. He, at the end of it, you know, they show the epilogue where he does, you know, he does survive all this brutality. He does have a, he goes to church, has kids, has a life, has a great life. And I think the point of that book isn't saying, isn't it great that he was, uh, you know, that, that he was actually a prisoner of war with the Japanese because he got to do all these other things in life. I think it was the, as you, as you described, Heidi, the perseverance and what, what opposition came and how, how he was able to fight through it and that inspiring story of doing that, not justifying or saying, isn't it great that the Japanese did this to him, but what he was able to do from the adversity that he, the unimaginable adversity he went through in those years in that prison camp. I think that was what they were trying to, to point to there, to not diminish someone's self-esteem or that they're lesser people, but there's, uh, there's an upside, there's something good that can be in every human being, no matter what, how much adversity you face. But that said, if the conclusion is as you've described it, uh, it was all worth it, or that's what people were, would say, I don't think any of those academics would leave that sentence in if, they were, if all of their work could be boiled down to that sentiment. I, I think it's sad. And I actually don't think it's really about the curriculum. I think it's a great way to attack uh, but Ron Okay, DeSantis. so that's where I wanted to end. Yeah. So I tried to have two separate conversations. One yeah. was about the piece, the body of work itself. Yeah. And the other was about Ron DeSantis. So I'm but I don't be, think he's a racist either. I think that's what you're trying to say. I think Ron DeSantis repeatedly and publicly, I think Donald Trump repeatedly and publicly has sold white nationalism. No, Absolutely. more minorities voted for Trump Absolutely. than any Republican president since Eisenhower. Yeah, but you're making assumptions about who Minor and what. Minorities vote so for the I'm president they want. That if you're electing a candidate to represent you who doesn't have a credit, Republicans are having a credibility issue with equity, and I think that's what they're saying. So you and I agree yeah. that this, that the complexity of this question is DeSantis and then the body of work itself, and I think the attack comes because I don't find him intellectually or morally credible on the issue of being able to talk about diversity I, I, and, and equity. I, and I just think that it's a, it's a Democrat attack 
to just call Republicans racist. I'm it not just calling Republicans racist. Or, or I went the, out of my way to polls. say it's a segment. I know, segment. it's just the ones leading I'm the polls. I'm going out of my way to say you all should think about, I, like we're going to talk next being, about I, a I pollster, I, but the polling shows in Utah, ironically, yeah. that the number one thing for Utah voters is character. Yeah. You do not get to turn around and then vote for Donald Trump if those things are true. They are, that is diametrically opposed. You vote for Biden. You, that's what that's where you would get to. Um, there there is so many facts about Donald Trump's character. Okay, okay so let's talk about Donald Trump for a second. We're going to move <laughs> on from racism. You guys can decide for yourselves I, about that. Uh, really quickly cuz we don't have to discuss it nauseum former Donald President Donald Trump, but he is facing new charges as of yesterday. These new charges are in the classified document case. There are several cases he's facing right now. It accuses him of asking a staffer to delete camera footage at his Florida um, home at Mar-a-Lago uh, to obstruct the federal investigation to his possession of the records, according to an updated indictment that was unsealed Thursday. We'll have to see where that goes from here. Now, I do want to talk about this pre presidential poll numbers. Uh, the Deseret News and Hinckley Institute have some numbers that were released from let me see when in July. I printed this out so small I can't see. So June 26th through the July 4th, they conducted this poll through Dan Jones. Uh, they say it has a plus or minus 4.4 percentage points. Donald Trump is at 29% in the state of Utah. Ron DeSantis is at 24%. And then everybody else is in like the 2, 3, 4%. There is 16% who say they don't know and they're still thinking about it right now. Uh, who wants to go first on this? How do we feel about these numbers? So what's interesting about these, I'll go, is that, you know, they're close to the margin of error. I'm, I'm going to also just point out, I think Greg will agree, these numbers are fun to talk about. I'm not going to bridge them to being like statistical rock stars, but like they are moments in time and early on in elections, they're about momentum. So the question was, if the primary were held today, who would you vote for? So 29% is Donald Trump. If you add up all the others, and I'm not in counting the don't knows, I'm leaving out the 16% of don't knows, like 52% say are, are sort of non-Trumps, which is mm -hmm. kind of to the point uh, uh, that, that we were talking about earlier, like what's the strategy if you're non-Trump and, and, and can you or can you not? Clearly Trump right now is coalescing. I am going to, because um, then I'm going to really try hard not to interrupt Greg, but I am going to point out that the second question asked right after that is, and I need to pull it up, is sort of what is the most important factors, or I think it was factors, components to your making your decision. Um, and character... First choice among registered voters, what do you care about the most? Moral character was 33%, trustworthiness was 17%, business experience is 13, ability to compromise is 12, intellect is 7, negotiation 5. Intellect garbage. Intellect, maybe, maybe not, doesn't matter. But, um, but really the number one, uh, it, okay, here was the question. When thinking of leadership, which qualities do you want most in a leader? So their top three, again, are moral character, trustworthiness, and business experience. So I'm just, I think, I yeah. think both Mara of those well, you up are, here. It's early. No, no, I just uh, yeah. think those are interesting so, so juxtapositions. The, so the, the way you pointed out, but you can vote for who you like and who your favorite candidate is this early because you're not at the poll. It's not yeah. making the decision. So it's a, it's a hypothetical, which gives you a lot more latitude to pick from a, a menu of different candidates. In 2016, uh, Ted Cruz was the clear winner of this state beginning end. I mean, he, he had, there were other, 
other candidates in the race, but by the time it came to Utah... I forgot about that. And there were three candidates, Kasich, uh, Trump, and Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was by, by runaway numbers, uh, the, the popular one in Utah, not, not Donald Trump. Um, it is, I think, with all that's happened since 16 and all of the, the talk of character, all the things you're saying, for Trump to be leading that poll, even in a pool is of remarkable. other candidates, is remarkable. It, it does not square up with the narrative that you hear out of the state of Utah. Because yeah. we will say that we're like Wisconsin nice, Utah nice. This, these numbers shouldn't really add up the way they are. Yeah. If, you, if you look at, at you know, where Utahns are and what we've been talking about in terms of President Trump. So I think that President Trump sits incredibly strong in this state alone, not, not to mention nationally, because he's ahead, even even with all these other candidates in the race this so early. So why don't we want to admit that we are? Well, you know what? I, honestly, you know what I honestly think it is. And when I say we, it's, it's a shy Trump vote. We, it, there is I a shy Trump. Clear, I am not voting for Donald Trump. We is in you. But when I you get look the at national polls, um, people, by and large, across the country, a lot of these polls, 80 percent, say they don't want Biden or Trump to be the nominees for either party. And yeah. yet, when you look at the polls and you look at the numbers parsed out. People, I don't know if it's just because we think that's what we have to vote for or that's the most likely to win. People say they want a different option, but they're voting. And we voting, don't do it. But they want, well, but like, ultimately like we're electing the Trump. old man. And what will also be interesting is, to your point, if it's a if it's a Biden-Trump rematch, the amount of people voting against the other person as opposed to for their person yeah. will be extraordinary. Well, and you know why? Because do the poll. Do Which you I like, hate. Yeah. yeah, we hate. But listen, if you ask the question, do you like positive campaigning about the candidate and their issues I do. or do you like do you like negative campaigning where the candidate doesn't talk about themselves but attacks their opponent it'll be like 80% will say i love the positive campaign about the positive message do you know what wins elections negative campaigns you can't show me a single campaign you can't show me a budget or a media buy that someone's going to survive never attacking tell me what's friendship. wrong with the other guy it is always going to be who you vote against not who you're voting and for. That's Greg how Fetterman I, won in Pennsylvania. Wasn't about Fetterman being great. It's the attacks on on Oz. Greg that and I have been. Mm, he was so at a million polls. Like, yes, exactly. And we have this embarrassment. I'll acknowledge my embarrassment when we do analysis around campaigns. Inevitably, a news person will say, "But does does negative campaigning work?" And you're like, "How do I answer? Oh yeah, without sounding like I'm for it." But every poll I've looked at, I am like, "My guys." the best. She's so smart. She's da 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 da. And then I'm like, other dudes a schmuck. And the poll numbers shift 18%. And the case for support numbers were incremental in there. So like it, one common theme through today is we, we get what we give a little, mm -hmm. like it, politics are a reflection of the voter. And two, Humans. we're not telling mm -hmm. the truth about what we want. Correct. It's true. We, there's a high-minded, uh, there's a way you aspire to make decisions, and then the way you do. And I'm going to tell you, negative campaigning works. Uh, it, it is a surefire bet. And, if, and I, in fact, when I was in public service and I would meet a young candidate, that were young by meaning they had not campaigned before, they were convinced that the picture of them with their kids and their wife and their family was going to carry the day. They, they, did, they didn't have to talk about their opponent and their record. There was someone that it was just going to be, this is my family. Uh, this is my community, and I'm going to win. And I would, I, you, you know, you hate to burst their bubble, but if you're not going to give voters a reason why you're, what you're going to do in contrast to the person you're running against is the better buy for the voter, then they're not going to vote for you. 
And I, I see it all the time in campaigns that everybody wants to believe it's the positive message, but the attacks no, but and I, the critical uh, narrative of the opponent, it carries the I day. do. I'm, feel, I'm feeling, you know, pessimism, guilt. So I do want to differentiate. You, there you, is a if difference. If you disagree with what I'm saying, you're just... I'm just I'm you're just falling making, into that I'm just aspiration martyr yeah, there okay, is a difference that. between contrast and negative and I want to make that difference because no, you're right. there are a lot of noble campaigns and when you confuse but the you, difference it hurts it because if you can't have like I'm I'm better equipped to do this than Greg for the following reasons that's not negative no. when I am like Greg is a wackadoodle trumper mm, might be considered negative it, it that might would be super negative that would be rude that would be rude to say. Or it's it so could untrue. be the truth, but like but those, there is a difference between is, negative but, but you know and they, a contrast. But, but you know what? People don't even even the cans themselves don't know that that contrast piece is not negative. People will call that negative campaigning. I've seen it. No, no, me. for sure. But been, that's why I want to make that distinction. Yes, you're right. Because our it audience still gets, is smart. but it gets pulled into that that yeah. same thing. I know. We are so out of time because okay. we've been talking and talking. But I do want to bring up really quickly uh, that we're watching this, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it for months to come. But Hunter Biden's plea deal, because we've been talking about this two-tier justice system, um, it fell through. The judge was concerned about the felony gun charge diversion and the possibility the deal would mean that future charges are out of the question. I don't know if they have to go back to the drawing table, but they do have to figure out and prove why he should be able to take this I think it's more interesting than that, actually. The deal didn't fall through. What she said is there was a disagreement, not about the settlement, but about what the immunity applied to. There you go. And That's she it. That's said, you two, better, head, yeah. you two better go back and figure this out because importantly, Hunter Biden <laughs> wants immunity for the internet. Well, he, no, he wants it for the international stuff. And the other guys are like, not a chance. We made a deal on these two specific issues. The one thing I want to point out, though, I just want to share an experience I just had while we were on the air. Ooh. I was <laughs> Hunter clicking. Biden text you? No, he did, as he does. No, I was getting back to the rundown that you gave us, and I was looking at my home screen, and I'm like, what the hell is this X on top? And oh, I it's the stupid Twitter. It Eli drives me nuts. Or that Elon Musk had changed my Twitter thing from a nice little bird to a big fat X, and I... X is cool. Do you think? Yeah, it's cool. It drives me nuts because I think I, we recognize I, things, and I, I have know. a bunch of tabs open on my computer so I can click through Facebook, Twitter, yes, our website. and I know it's been a week now, but every time I look at this X, I'm like, why do I have an X on my screen? And do we say that someone tweeted now, or did they X? <laughs> and how do you quote them good. on TV? It's driving me nuts. But anyhow, it's his platform. I guess he can do what he wants with it. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, I'm more, I'm more uh, interested in the X versus the bird, but... Um, but I will go back to Hunter's, the, the plea agreement. I do think you hit on the part I'm not hearing enough, and that is there was a get-out-of-jail-free card that was being pursued by Hunter's, Biden's attorneys for future uh, investigations. We found out two things in that discussion by that judge. First off, they, they negotiated this at least months ago, but it was never on the court docket. It was never public. Uh, we learned about it really by the questions that were being asked by the judge. One, one bit of um, information we learned through this is there is an active investigation going on of which – Hunter Biden is a part of to some degree. And two, they, the government and Biden's attorneys, Hunter Biden's attorneys, did not agree on what that immunity was going to apply to. And they, Hunter and his attorneys believed it was for anything going forward. And the judge was there to say, I don't think so. And I've been told by attorneys that it, it doesn't even work that way. You can't, you can't have an immunity deal for the things that are in front of you that 
that make you scot-free going forward. I just want to point out to our listeners that I said that exact same thing. Yeah, no, I, ago, I prefaced it with, I agree with you. you had to do it with some dun-dun-dun. No, I didn't. I just said, <laughs> I agree with what you, you said, but I want to emphasize it. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't hear it being spoken about. That is the big, but it's but not it's the uncommon big practice. This is it not is the first time. It is a very uncommon practice oh, to walk please. in there thinking you're going to get a deal, okay. and it gets let's, let's turned upside down. Sometimes past crimes that they say they walk away from, and once you make the plea deal, you can't go back to that. But this seemed like it was open to anything that he might do in the future. There's like a, I've never, whistleblower, I've never seen so many in my life. There's just like, they're, they're just lined around the door of congressional hearings right now. Yeah. There's so many. This is like the kind of immunity that Donald Trump would have given himself. That's how no, open it was. No, it was not. It was not. They're going after poor Donald Trump's, what is, custodian guy at, at Mar-a-Lago, and they're putting uh-huh. an indictment I against him. I know what's him. going on here. <laughs> they're going against the poor Mar-a-Lago facilities behind. manager Way while this behind. guy's been making bank on Ukraine and China. No one wants to say a word. Give me a break. I say it's so en- sad. enjoy your 100-degree-plus weekend. Two-tier. It two is tier going to be system. hot. Are you guys doing anything fun? Summer is almost over because literally... I can't believe it's the end of the I month. I hate the word literally. I'm sorry yeah. I just said that. But in, I think, two weeks, some of our schools... School districts are starting school again. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we got some birthday party action weekend, you know, this weekend. We got stuff, but nothing, you know, nothing too exciting. Kind of good summary stuff, but it's going so fast. It is going going so very fast. fast. I'm just relaxed. I like to relax. I can veg, and I, I have no problem. I don't have to go do things. I don't have to go places. (laughs) I hate being around zillions of people under the banner of recreation. It seems, it seems a bit much. Seems a bit much. I like to relax. All right. Well, thanks, Grandpa, for that <laughs> uplifting word of advice. I'm <laughs> aging at warp speed. I'm telling you, I, I, I own lawn. it. I own it. I'm, I am. I'm aging. Greg's so fast. much like my husband because I always feel like we should get out and go do something. That is work. Like, it's just work. Just... It exhausts me to talk about it. Just, just let's just watch a baseball game. They come up with Netflix game. and chill just for you, Greg. I'm telling you, I, absolutely. I just discovered the greatest show on on TV, and it's a. It, I got three seasons. All I right, tell us what it is. Real one. quick, in case somebody needs it, because it's it's probably give us the title. Nope. I can't because it's Ooh. probably inappropriate for Somebody's some. It's so. definitely inappropriate. Mature, oh, yeah. Watching a mature Just in case his no, kids it's, it's are listening. It's a great show, though. A lot of fighting, though. A lot All right, of fighting. Tell Mara it. and I after this. I Thanks will. for listening, everyone. Tell your friends about us. Give us a five-star review if, you, review if you love us. If you don't, then just don't give us a review. Why are you listening if you don't, though? You better love it.